Lord, we thank you. We worship you. We love you. I pray now, Lord, that you would speak to us through your word, that you would change our hearts and start with mine. We want to leave you the same way we got here. So make us more like you. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So today we're going to start a new series called Anonymous. And, and over the next few months, what we're going to do is we, we have a lot of folks who are a part of our church, a lot that join us online, that are new to church and new to the Bible. And so we're going to spend the next few months uh, looking at characters in the Bible. And the first ones we're going to look at are, are characters in the Bible that are anonymous, that we don't know their names. And then uh, over the summer, we're going to do a series called Sunday School. And what that is, is we're going to look at stories that if you were raised in church and, and raised going to Sunday school, you would have uh, heard these stories and learned these stories growing up. So we're going to look at guys like Samson and David and Joseph, his coat of many colors. We're going to look at Daniel in the lion's den, Noah's ark. We're going to look at Moses uh, crossing the Red Sea. And hopefully that's just going to help us all learn and understand our Bibles a little better. Now, everything in the Bible was written with two purposes. It's called the dual purpose of Scripture. And one of the purposes was the contemporary purpose, meaning for the time it was written, the Bible was, has this story or these lessons for the people that were actually living it. The other purpose is the contemporary purpose, meaning for us today, this eternal purpose where we're all learning lessons from the stories in the Bible. And so the lesson we're going to learn today is really simple, all right? The lesson that we're going to learn is you're looking at the wrong thing. So look at your neighbor and tell them, in some area of your life, go ahead and tell them that. Now, some of you didn't do it because you're like, oh, Angel, I hate looking at my neighbor. And just, 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 just try. Okay, just humor. In some area of your life, you're looking at the wrong thing. All right, so uh, there's a lot of ways that that phrase can be true. And one of the most obvious is in relationships, like this guy. Brother, you are, you're looking at the wrong thing. And when you get home, you know what? When you get in the car, you know, just stop it, okay? Or, or there, we're going to watch a video. A lady was walking through the mall, and she was texting while she was walking, and this is what happens. Well, there's a video that's become an instant hit on YouTube, almost 2 million hits as of now. A woman is at the mall texting someone, doesn't notice the giant oh. fountain crying for her. Is right in. Fortunately, she wasn't hurt, at least not physically. But now she's speaking out, and guess what? She's not very happy. It's dangerous. It's dangerous. It could have been somebody, I could have been walking into a bus, a car, a ditch, anything. Texting and walking, take it from me, is dangerous. It really is. Even talking while you. Lady, you were looking at the wrong thing. And in our lives, sometimes God is trying to teach us something, but we're focusing on the wrong thing. So we're going to look at the life of an Old Testament prophet. His name is Elisha. Now, sometimes it's confusing because Elisha's mentor was named Elijah. And so sometimes it's easy to get those two confused. I wish one of them would have been named like Larry or George, but it's Elisha and Elijah. Now, Elisha... He's regarded as one of the greatest prophets in the Bible. As a matter of fact, nobody did more miracles in the Bible except Jesus than Elisha, right? So a guy did a lot of miracles. And he, what I love about him is he was very ordinary. He wasn't a priest. He wasn't a pastor or anything like that. He wasn't the son of a priest. He was a regular guy living at home with his parents. 
and God calls him. He was a farmer. God calls him to serve him. And so this happened about 900 years before Jesus was born. It was a very tense time in Israel, a time when the kings were evil and they were hunting prophets. And so Elisha shows up at his friend's house, a prophet, and this is what happens. The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, your servant, my husband is dead. And you know that he revered the Lord, but now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. So the first thing you'll notice is we don't get this lady's name. So we just call her Elisha's widow. Now I know that's confusing because she wasn't Elisha's wife and Elisha didn't die. But we, Bible scholars, I don't know why they call her that to be honest, but that's what we're gonna call her, okay? Now her husband, Bible scholars believe, was the prophet Obadiah. And so he was uh, known for hiding prophets and keeping them safe from the king. As a matter of fact, in 1 Kings 18, we see that he hid and protected and provided for a hundred prophets. But something has happened, and he has now died. And this lady, his widow, is now in need. And she's got two boys. The Bible says they're boys, meaning that we believe that she was probably in her 30s. So she's a young widow. And it's, it's bad enough to grieve and lose your husband, your best friend. It's hard enough to lose the father of your children, the spiritual leader of your home, but it's even harder to go through this when they're hungry. Now, back then she would not have been able to find any kind of employment except doing one thing, and it's a job that no woman would wanna take. It's, um, they call it the oldest profession. And if you don't know what that is, ask somebody after church, okay? But since she's a follower of God, she's not gonna do that, so she's stuck. She has bills to pay, and not enough money to pay them. Has anybody here ever had more bills than you had money? Raise your hand if you've ever been there where you ran out of the money before you paid all the bills. Some of you didn't raise your hand. Let me tell you about the things we want to do here. I'm just kidding, all right? But, but we've all been there. We've all been where, where you, have, you have a lot of bills and not enough money. Now, if you don't pay your light bill, they're not gonna come and take those kids. Now, you might sometimes want them to come and take those kids, but they're not going to come take your kids. And so this lady has a serious problem. She has no hope. She's lost her husband. And now she's about to lose her sons. Can't get any worse than this. Now, sometimes we make a big deal out of problems that are not really a big deal. You know, like, have you ever dropped a call on your phone and you're like, I can't believe this. How much money do I pay for that? You know, you get, you get upset. Those are, those, are, those are not real problems. Or you go to a restaurant and they seat you and you've been waiting for six, seven minutes for them to take your order. And then they take the order of a guy who got there after you. And you're like, this is the worst day ever. Or, or you do that old man filter, old lady filter on Instagram and you post the picture and nobody notices. They just think that's what you look like. And you're like, this is the worst day ever. No one told me I was pretty. No one, you're, so those are, those are, People, someone came up with a name for those problems. They're called first world problems, right? They're not real, like, like you can't find anything to watch because between Netflix, Hulu, Peacock, Prime, Apple TV, and Disney Plus, you just have too many options. And you're like, I can't take on another show right now. You know what I mean? That's a first world problem. Or, or you have too many chips for your dip. But if you open another dip, then you have too much dip for your chips. That's a first world problem. Or you get your mechanical pencil and you click it once, but that's not enough. But if you click it twice, it's too much. That's a first world problem. 
or the backup camera on your car is dirty. So you have to turn around and look like some 19th century stagecoach driver. You know what I mean? That's a first world problem. Those are not real problems. The lady in this story, she's dealing with a real problem. She says, my husband is gone and now they're coming to take my boys as slaves. And the truth is, there are some people here in this room, some that are joining us online, that you have real problems. Maybe your marriage is barely hanging on. Maybe, maybe someone you care about stabbed you in the back and betrayed you. You're not sure what to do. Maybe you have a, a child who's going down a bad road and you're worried about them and they keep you up at night. And you're doing everything you can to try and help them, but it doesn't seem to be working. Maybe you're in a, a financial mess and you don't know how to dig yourself out of it. You feel strangled and choked. Maybe it's a health issue, someone that you love, or maybe you went to the doctor, they gave you bad news. You don't know what to do. You haven't even told anybody yet and you need a miracle. That's where this lady is. If, you've, if you're going through that right now, you know exactly how this lady feels. And God put this lady's story in the Bible so that you could learn what to do in a moment like this, okay? So this is uh, what Elisha tells her. He replied to her, how can I help you? Tell me, what do you have in your house? Notice he doesn't, he doesn't say, man, that's a bad problem. It stinks to be you. You know, he doesn't, he doesn't do that, doesn't blow her off. He doesn't say, well, I'll be thinking good thoughts about you. I'll, I'll send you thoughts and good energy and light and love. He doesn't do that. And that always confuses me when people say that stuff on social media. I'm going to send good energy. You can keep it, honestly. Because if I'm drowning, I don't need your good energy. You know what I mean? That's not going to help me. I'm still drowning. If I'm drowning, you know what I need? I need you to pray for me. Because if you'll talk to the creator of the universe on my behalf, God will intervene in my situation and actually change something. I probably shouldn't have said that, huh? Because people still want to send light and love. Okay. You can send it. Okay. The other thing he doesn't do, notice he doesn't mention her husband. I mean, he's just finding out that his friend is gone. He's, his friend has passed away, and he doesn't mention it. He doesn't focus on yesterday, which is what she's doing, and she's focused so much on what she's lost that she's missing out on what's happening today. He doesn't focus on what she's lost or what she doesn't have. He reorganizes the conversation, and he, he says, what do you have in your house now? Let's talk about what we're going to do. She's talking about what was. My husband was a prophet. She's talking about what might be. My sons are going to be taken. He, he looks around and he says, let's talk about what is right now. What do you have in your house? Some of you are so focused on what you've lost, on who left, on what used to be. But I want to encourage you because you're looking at the wrong thing. Let's focus on what you have now. Now, the other thing he says is, I think it's significant. These five words, he says, how can I help you? What can I do? If you want God to use you, wake up in the morning and say, Lord, what can I do to help? Show me what to do to help. Then he asks her another question. He says, now tell me, what do you have in your house? He doesn't say, get out of my way. He doesn't say, here I come to save the day. He doesn't say that. By the way, if you knew what that was, it's time to schedule your colonoscopy, all right? <laughs> your, 
you're getting up there. Okay. Anyway, sorry. Instead of focusing, I'm sorry, on what she doesn't have, he says, let's look at what you do have. He looks around and he says, let's see what you've got in the house. If so many of our problems would be solved if we just looked around at what we have already, the relationships we have, the skills we have, the opportunities we have. Let me be very clear. Everything you need to get to the next place that God wants you to get is already in your house. You just don't, you just don't realize it. You're just not noticing it. But God is inviting us today to look around at what we're, what's in our house, the relationships we have, the stuff we already have, the opportunities we already have, the connections we have. So he asked her, what do you have in your house? And look at her answer. Your servant has, everybody say that next word together, nothing. Your servant has nothing there at all except a small jar of olive oil. When we have serious need, it's easy to focus on what we don't have. We get this tunnel vision and we say, well, I don't have enough money, so I can't be happy. I don't have a spouse, so I can't live my full life. I, my house isn't nice enough to host a connect group for the church. I can't have people over because everybody knows that God only moves on granite countertops and that's it. And so I can't have anybody over to my house. What this lady is saying is what we often say. I don't have what I want, so my life is terrible. The one thing I want, I don't have what I want, so my life is terrible. I've known ladies, now I never personally, but I've heard of them, that last Sunday morning on Easter, they got up, they walked to, the clo to a closet that was as large as the average home in the rest of the world. And it's packed, it looks like a Nordstrom rack from one end to the other. And they looked in that closet and they stood there and their shoulders dropped, and they said, I have nothing to wear. We could clothe all of the orphanages that we support with your one closet, but we're focusing on what we don't have. It's funny, when we're missing something, that's all we can think about, that's all we can focus on. Let's read it again. She says, your servant has nothing at all except a small jar of olive oil. She's looking at what she doesn't have. I would say she's looking at the wrong thing. You don't have everything you want to get your business started. You're looking at it and you're saying, I can't get this thing going. I can't. But let me tell you, people have built businesses with less than you have. They have started successful businesses with less connections, less money, less resources, less knowledge than you have right now. You're looking at the wrong thing. Or, or maybe you're like, I feel like God has called me to do something in ministry, but, but I don't really have a platform. I just have this tug on my heart. I don't know enough about the Bible. I, I want to encourage you, just start where you're at right now. This lady, all she had was a small jar of olive oil. That's it. Now, what good is a little bit of olive oil? Well, they would use it for cooking. They would use it to help lamps burn. They would use it as moisturizer, so you couldn't go to, to Target back then and get some lotion and, you know, and rub it on your face and try and look better. You know what I mean? Uh, so they would use this. They would use it on leather. They would use it to keep iron from rusting. They would use it as an offering to God. And so olive oil was valuable, but she didn't have a lot. She only had a little. But I'm so thankful that we serve a God who can do a lot with a little. Look at your neighbor and say, he can do a lot with a little.
Sometimes we think, if I just had something else, if I just had more, more education, more money, more influence, if I just had a bigger car, I mean a bigger house, a nicer car, if I just knew more about the Bible, if I just had more time, then I could really do something significant for God, but you're looking at the wrong thing. You're looking at the void. There might be a guy here, I, I've talked to guys before who said, man, I don't feel like I'm really a great provider because I don't make a ton of money. Yeah, but you're looking at the wrong thing because right now you have time to be with your kids. And they're only gonna be this age for so long and then it's gone. And so this might be the window that God is providing for you to be there for those kids. Maybe the greatest contribution you're gonna make to this world is not what you do, but it's who you raise. Would you be okay with that? Would you be okay if you pushed your kids up one level past anything you ever did? That's what I wanna do. I wanna put my kids on my shoulders and say, you see farther than I did? Yes, go get that. Take our family there. That might be the greatest thing you do. I used to think a lot about making a big mark on the world and doing something big for God, and now I don't think about that anymore because I realize the best thing I could ever do is raise three kids that love Jesus. More, and nothing else even comes close to that. No platform, no, nothing else even matters anywhere close to that, and that's the same in your life. Before we keep going, one of the most important things you can do when you commit your life to Christ is be baptized. And we have some folks today that are gonna be baptized. So if you're being baptized today, if you're scheduled to be baptized, go ahead and I wanna dismiss you right now. Go ahead and head through that door. There's some folks that are gonna meet you. They're gonna get you changed. At the end of service, we're gonna be doing some baptisms today. One of my favorite things we do. Okay, so let's go back to Elisha. So he, he doesn't even answer her. I don't have anything. Oh my God, my life is so messed up. He doesn't even answer that, all right? He says, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside, shut the door behind you, you and your sons, pour oil into all the jars, and as each is filled, put it to one side. Now, remember, she says, all I have is this little jar of oil. Now, this jar that she has now is plenty big enough to hold the amount of oil that she has. So she could have said, Elisha, I don't know if I'm not communicating well, I don't know if you're not understanding me well, but I don't need any more jars because this is all the oil I have. But Elisha tells her, he's telling a woman who's in debt to go get in more debt by borrowing jars. Now, I'm not telling you that, okay? So don't go home and say, honey, God told us to get a, to get a Tesla, all right? He's not, I'm not telling you, all right? But this, that's what this guy is, he, that's what he's telling this woman. He's inviting her to take a step of faith and take a risk. God loves standing with risk takers, who people, people who, if God doesn't do something, it's gonna fail. God loves honoring that kind of faith. I mean, if you're gonna go through this life anyway, you might as well go through it and risk for something big. You might as well Go for it. Take a risk, risk once in a while. Create some space for God to fill. When, if, you, if it doesn't work, God's going to move in. He's going to step in. If he doesn't do that, we're going to fail. When we started this church, it was like that. We showed up. I was like, man, I don't know if anybody's even going to come. And for a long time, they really did it. You know what I mean? It takes faith and trust. And he tells this lady, go into a room with as many jars as you can get and start pouring the oil and then see what God does. When you commit your life to Christ, he does the same thing with us. The day you, the day you give 
your life to Jesus, that's not the end of something. That's the beginning of something. And so once you do that, he says, now I want you to trust me and take a step of faith. Take a step. And you're like, oh, it's very scary. I don't think I can do it. You're, what if I die? What if I... Oh, and, then, and we take it. And then he says, okay, now take another one. And then we take another one. And then he says, okay, now I want you to take another one. And that's what this life is. It's taking step after step of crazy, ridiculous faith. That's what God honors. That's what he's inviting this lady to do. He's saying, go get some empty jars and start pouring and trust me. Watch what happens. She left him, shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her and she kept pouring. When all the jars were full, she said to her son, bring me another one. But he replied, there's not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God and he said, go sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. She steps out in faith, and God blows her mind. And I want you to know that. Did, did, you, did you catch her name ever? We didn't, right? So in terms of history, she's an obscure widow living 3,000 years ago in an agricultural society, and God cared about her so much, he performed a miracle. How much more does God care for you whose name is written in the palm of his hand? Sometimes we're, at, we're in need because God is asking us to take a step of faith and we refuse. And God says, it's, man, I wish I could tell you it was different, but it's always you go first and then I'll go. That God always does that. He said, you take a step and then I'll answer. You take a step and then I'll answer. That's what he does here. Start pouring. Now, if she would have started pouring and nothing happened, she wouldn't have really lost anything, but she wouldn't have gained anything either. But because of that step of faith, she has plenty and God takes care of her. So about five years ago, a little over five years ago, I was driving down I-25, and we were in the middle of construction, and we were actually remodeling this room that we're in right now, and um, we had ordered some beams to hold the air conditioning units, and I got a phone call while I was driving that the beams were back ordered three months. And so for the next, so, so we, were, we were trying to get in for, for Christmas Eve, and we found out we're not gonna get in until Easter, maybe. And so I was bummed out, I was upset, and I was right in front of I-20, I was right in front of Mile High Stadium on I-25. And so I knew God was close. You know what I mean? <laughs> because the Bible says that God draws near to the brokenhearted. And if anyone's brokenhearted, it's everyone in that stadium every Sunday, all right? So I'm there and I'm driving and I'm thinking about these beams and the delay and I'm, you know, I'm kind of frustrated. And I very clearly heard God say, you're looking at the wrong thing. Trust me, focus on me, and I'm going to fill that building. And at that time, our church was much smaller. We were meeting on the other end of the building. And I, let, let me just be honest, no pastor is ever 100% sure that they've heard from God. Because if we were, it wouldn't require faith. So don't ever get tied up and say, well, I'm not 100% sure God said that. You know what? That's where you step out in faith. It's not like I Monday mornings go into my office and Jesus walks in glowing like Obi-Wan Kenobi in Star Wars and sits down in front of me and says, let's talk about yesterday. Okay. Turn the volume down one decibel, get some of that, that lemon smelling uh, soap from Bath and Body Works, put it in the restrooms, the church will grow. Like it doesn't work that way, right? It, it, he speaks to me like he speaks to you in a whisper, 
whisper in my spirit. And then he lets me decide if I'm going to respond or not. So he told me, trust me, focus on me, and I'm going to fill that building. Last Sunday, that's what our Spanish service looked like. That's what our 9.30 service looked like. That's what the 11 o'clock service looked like. We had 1,173 people. Thank you to everybody who served last Sunday. We had a record number of people serving. Thank you to everyone who has ever given to this church. Thank you for everyone who invited their friends. We had 917 names on that cross that we were praying for, we're gonna to continue to pray for. Thank you to everyone who prayed over those names. Thank you for everyone who invited a friend. God is a man of his word. And he promised me five years ago, I'm gonna fill that building. And he did it. And whatever you're going through, God is a man of his word. And he promises you, He's gonna take care of it. He is. So we're gonna pray. And whatever you've got going on, we're gonna pray to the God who can do a lot with a little. So let's pray. Lord, this morning, we trust you. And we bring our stuff and our stress and our anxieties to you. Lord, there are people in this room whose marriages are struggling and barely hanging on. There are people in this room who have been stabbed in the back and hurt and betrayed. There are folks in this room who have a, a significant financial need. There are folks who are worried about their children. God, we put it all in your hands. Lord, we put our, our work situations in your hands. We put our health situations in your hands, trusting and believing that you are the God that can heal. So I pray, Father, that you would heal, that you would provide, and that you would restore. We put all these things in your hands, knowing and trusting that you're the God who can do a lot with a little. We trust you and we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And would you stand and sing this last song as we get ready to baptize some folks? Forgive me for every evil thing I've ever done. Thank you for dying for me on the cross. 
Today I make a promise to follow you. I make you Lord of my life. Help me to walk this walk and be more like you. Amen. If you just said that prayer, congratulations. You may take a seat. If you just said that prayer, we want to walk alongside you. Like Pastor Angel said, it is a step-by-step journey and we wanna be there to support you. So we have some materials we wanna send you. So take out your phone, scan that QR code, and we just wanna send you some, some things to help you along the way. So baptism is kind of a symbol of your old self going into the water and as you emerge, you are a new person. And so we wanna cheer on each and every one of these friends and folks of Mosaic community as they come out of the water, because this is an awesome thing that we're doing today. Hi, what's your name? Diego. Diego? Hi, Diego. Are you a follower of Jesus? Yes. Awesome. Jesus is Lord. Want to have a seat? Diego, by your profession of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. Congratulations. And what is your name? Jasmine. Jasmine, are you a follower of Jesus? Yes. And what else would you like to say, Jasmine? Jesus is King. your nose with one hand. There you go. Jasmine, by your profession of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, I baptize you in the name of the Father, of the Son, of the Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. And what is your name? Dea. Dea. And are you a follower of Jesus? Yes. Anything yeah. else you want to say, Dea? just found out I'm facing everybody wrong for the camera, so turn around. There we go. Have a seat. Go ahead and plug your nose. By your profession of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. Are you a follower of Jesus? Yes, I am. By your profession of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, I baptize you in the name of the Father, of the Son, of the Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. by your profession of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. I baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. Congratulations. 
that's okay. Our next baptisms are June 4th. So put it in your phone, put it in your calendar, and you can register to get baptized online. Um, if this is your first time at Mosaic, we just want to welcome you. Welcome to Mosaic. We're so happy you're here. Uh, this is such a good community, and we just want to get to know you. So would you take out your phone, scan that QR code, just fill out the questionnaire that says first-time visitor. We just want to get to know you and, and you know, introduce ourselves. I don't know, maybe we'd really hit it off, and we could be really good friends, and I could like be the maid of honor at your wedding, you know? Who knows? Who knows where that could lead? Just fill it out. Let us get to know you. And our last form of worship today is our tithes and our offering. I love Mosaic. Mosaic lives to give. Like you heard earlier, we have an orphanage that we support and we sponsor. There's many different areas here in the Greeley community that Mosaic uh, gives and gives back to those around us. So we're going to say a prayer over our tithes and our offering, and then we're going to pray to dismiss. If you would like additional prayer after service, we have some prayer folks here at the front, and they would love to pray with you over uh, the next week and anything that you may be experiencing. So will you close your eyes? Dear God, thank you. Thank you for this week. Thank you for getting us here safely. Thank you for blessing us enough that we could come here on Sunday morning. God, we pray over this offering. Would you extend it? Would you give us enough that we need to support our friends in, in the community? God, would you spread it beyond Greeley into those far and wide? God, would you bless everyone in this room who is able to give, and would you bless those who aren't? God, would you create in us a generous spirit that when people hear that we go to Mosaic, they think, oh, you are a generous person. That is a generous church. God, would you bless us this week? As we go into this week, would you be with us? Would you protect us? Would you give us the strength that we need to take on anything that comes? And would you also give us the the mindfulness to look into our house and to see what do we have already that we can use to make a difference and live our life the way that you've intended. God, thank you. Amen. Mosaic, we love you. Have a great Sunday.